So Father's Day, I'm cheating. I'm not uh, carrying on our series this morning. I'll wrap that up in, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But being Father's Day, it always makes me think about my dad. My folks live in George, and they're hardcore online members. So mom and dad, love you lots. And uh, I love telling stories about my dad. I have to be careful nowadays because he does watch online. So I've got to be very careful about the stories that I tell. But uh, whenever I think about my dad, I, I've got a great relationship with him. But he'll be the first to admit he's not perfect. And I'll say amen to that. He's not perfect. But let me give you some examples. My dad has this little tendency to embellish on a story substantially. And the fine line between exaggeration and lying becomes a little bit gray sometimes, if you know what I mean. I was meeting, uh, I think it's Julia, comes from Nottingham Road. I lived in Howick, and I remember once in Howick at... Uh, we heard of the snow that was falling, which was still quite a unique thing. We drove up to Nottingham Road, and it was amazing. The snow was coming down, and we were like making snowmen. It was a real novelty for us. But when the story was told later by my dad, it wasn't just snowing. It was a blizzard. <laughs> and we saw the snow coming down on the trees and weighing down the branches. But when I heard the story, it was six-inch branches were being broken off trees by the weight of the snow. We kind of, I'm looking at my two brothers, I've got an older and younger brother thinking, no, 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 divide by six, divide by six, just bring it down. I remember once, I used to love playing golf with my dad, He's a, he was a good golfer, and uh, we were on holiday once at the wilderness, we'd always go down to the wilderness every year, and, and we played at George Country Club. Now this is one of those fancy clubs in George, and, and I remember we'd booked the tee off time, we got there early, it's father and son, we get to the tee, and it's, it's crowded because it's a busy holiday time. And two people come up to my dad and say, well, could we play with you because we haven't got a tee-off time? My dad, forsaken, looks at them and he says, or forlorn rather, looks at them and says, you know, if it was up to me, it would be fine, but it's not really fair on my son. My son's a two-handicapped golfer and it wouldn't be right for him to play with beginners. I'm like, dad, I'm not. I'm a hacker. I am. And so now I'm standing on the tee box with, surrounded by people as a two-handicapped golfer, praying my heart out. Maybe that was when I gave my life to Jesus. I'm not sure. All I know is I parred the first hole and then fell apart for the rest of the round. My dad had this tendency to just exaggerate somewhat. The other thing that is etched in my memory is my dad had this this tendency to demand excellence of service, which he expected from himself and he expected it from others, which he didn't always get, and then he made it very clear to the manager. The, the fateful words, if I still hear these words nowadays, call the manager. It just brings a, a thriller to my, I mean, there's something about, because many, many times, I remember living in Uvongo at the time, down the south coast, to go and buy bread and milk should have been a five-minute journey, but it was not. We ended up either in Port Shepston or Port Edward because shop after shop after shop, I'll never go to that shop again. I had a fight with the manager. I'll never set foot in that shop. It's like, Dad, it's just bread and milk. But just, it became a longer and longer journey. I remember driving to, uh, we were coming home from holiday one day. We stopped for a meal. And uh, I mean, I was a teenager. We had pies and gravy. Fantastic. I mean, what a great meal. Pies and gravy. And we got our pies and gravy and my dad noticed where the peas. What do you mean, where the peas, dad? On the menu, it said, there are peas. Dad, we don't even like peas. No, no, no. Call the manager. I remember the fight that ensued. Dad, we don't even want peas. But here's my point. 
My dad has his faults. But I never, ever found myself ever doubting his goodness towards me or my brothers. And the fact is, with his faults and with his failings, somehow I'm, I'm truly blessed to have him as a dad because I never once doubted his good intentions towards us as kids. And I've shared these stories because the point is this. Jesus said something which even sounds offensive, but I want you to listen to this verse through the lens of the stories that I've just told you. You see, Jesus said this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Even though, you see, with my dad and his faults, I knew, I remember, one of the things that happened is, uh, is he grew up smoking all of his life from a, a young age. But when we became teenagers, I remember my dad coming to us and saying, boys, I never want you to smoke. And in fact, I'm willing to give up smoking the rest of my life if you'll promise me that you won't start. And I know, I've heard stories, that's one of the hardest habits to kick but because he wanted us to never go down that same, he paid the price and he gave up. And so we never smoked. I remember pranging my dad's car and I remember knowing this. When I go to dad, I know he's not going to yell. He's not going to lose it. I know he's going to help me. And I had no problem going to him saying, dad, I'm messed up. I remember when uh, I gave up an engineering career to go into ministry and I knew this was going to be a big thing for him because our whole lives, all he'd wanted was financial security. I want you to be financially secure. And now we were giving up a big job to go into a, a, a church plant. And yet in my heart, I knew that he's going to support us for the rest of our lives. My point is this. Jesus said, if you, even though you are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children. If Now, this is what I want you to catch. If my dad, with all of his faults, I had this absolute certainty in my heart of his good intentions towards me and my brothers. How much more should we trust our heavenly father's good intentions towards us? You see, friends, he has the problem. At the root of every one of our temptations and failings, at the root of every one of our struggles, if we were brutally honest with ourselves, we doubt the goodness of God. God, do you really care? God, can you really provide? God, are you really able? God, are you really with me? At the root of our struggle is always this. Do I trust the goodness of my father? And if I can trust the goodness of my biological dad with all of his faults, how much more shouldn't we be able to trust the goodness of our perfect heavenly father? Does that make sense? And what I want us to catch today this is not a, a three-point application sermon. This is a sermon where I'm trusting today that the revelation of your Father's goodness towards you would break into your heart. I truly believe this is one of those revelations, if we caught it, would absolutely revolutionize the way we live our lives. Remember, we always see and reflect. When you see, when you catch a revelation of our Father, we cannot but help to reflect it through our lives. And so what I want to do is just share with you a couple of examples of people who've had this revelation. Jesus, of course, I'll start with him. 
Jesus was approached by a man once, an educated rich man who comes to Jesus and he asks a great question, but Jesus doesn't focus on the question. He picks up on one word that this young man said to him. He comes to Jesus, a certain ruler, and he asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. How do I get saved? Do you know what Jesus picked up on? He said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. You see, here's what I want us to catch. I love this verse because what Jesus was saying is when you understand goodness of the Father, you'll never be able to say anything else is good when compared to the Father. I mean, we can be flippant. We talk about, oh, he's a good guy. No, 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 no. He is. I, I love Chaz. What a friend. But compared to our Heavenly Father, you can't compare him. God is good. Jesus had such a revelation of the goodness of the Father that nothing else could compare. Sometimes we look around and we've turned that word into, well, this is good, that's good, this is good, that's good. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Only God is good. God is in a class of his own. Moses was interesting. Moses went up on the mountain. Moses spent time face to face with God. But then Moses asked God, and he says to God, God, I want you to show me your glory. Now imagine that. Think, how's God going to answer this question? Moses, as a friend, he says to God, God, please show me your glory. What do you think that would look like? In Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19, Moses said, now, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Isn't that amazing? What was the question? Lord, show me your glory. And what does God say? I will allow my goodness to pass in front of you. And I'll proclaim my name, the Lord. In your presence, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. What did, what did Moses realize right then? What does the glory of God look like? It looks like the expression of his goodness. His goodness is his glory. His glory is his goodness. His goodness is the expression of his compassion and his mercy. And I bet you Moses was changed. It says he came down from the mountain and his face shone with the glory of God. But he'd realize God's glory is not just some shininess. God's glory is the expression of his goodness from his lives. And you know, you and I were created to reflect God's glory. We were created to reflect his goodness from our lives. Oh God, I want this to burn into my heart. I want to be so, so see and understand your glory is the expression of your goodness, your compassion, your mercy, your kindness, that when it penetrates our hearts, we would reflect that to the world around us. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was speaking to the people and reminding the Israelites of their past. And I love the way he did it. It says in, in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 25, it says, They captured fortified cities. This is Nehemiah speaking to the people. And fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things. Wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. Isn't that a beautiful thought? They revelled, describing, this is God's plan for his people. They reveled in your goodness. The goodness of our God has been given to us to enjoy, 
to revel. I love that word revel. Revel means almost kind of to play, to bask, to enjoy, to just, it's the environment. Oh God, you've called us to revel in your goodness. Your Father's heart, your heavenly Father's heart is that we would know and enjoy and experience his incredible goodness. It says in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 35, even while they were in their kingdom, enjoying your great goodness to them in the spacious and fertile land you gave them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil ways. Enjoying your great goodness. Nehemiah had that revelation. Lord, your goodness is for our enjoyment. God's plan and purpose for our lives. Oh God, give me a greater revelation of your goodness that I would enjoy it. Like that prophecy we heard from Viv, that we would stop the frustration and anxiety and the worry and learn to enjoy the goodness of our God. David, this mighty king and warrior who faced so many struggles and battles and overcoming kingdoms and conquering this and fighting that and on the run from Saul. And in the midst of that, he had that revelation that the Lord is my shepherd. Remember that in Psalm 23? And when he had this revelation, the Lord's my shepherd. In other words, if I follow the Lord, what follows me? It says in verse number six, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? He has the revelation. Lord, if I follow you, your goodness follows me. Because I want to catch this revelation. Lord God, I want to know your goodness. I want it to burn inside of our hearts. If I'll follow you, Lord, I know your goodness will follow me. Which is why he said in Psalm 27, I read it just now, verses 12 to 14. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, sprouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. Oh, Lord, if we could catch this confidence. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David reflected this revelation through a confident assurance that he would see God's goodness displayed, even when things looked bad. One more from... uh, from Jesus' brother. You know, Jesus' brother went into ministry as well. When they were young, he, would, uh, he didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah. I mean, it is a tough one to sell when uh, you've got a brother and you grow up with him. And, uh, he, but later on, James became the actual leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was a younger brother of Jesus. And he led that church in Jerusalem. And, and it was a big church. He pastored them well. And he had this revelation of God's goodness. Because he said in James chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So don't be deceived. And here's what he learned. James became a great decision maker. In fact, when the the apostles gathered together and they were looking for direction, it was James who was able to lead them through his wisdom and his decision making. And he learned this. If it is good, it comes from the Father. If it comes from the Father, it is good. Even if it doesn't look like it in the beginning. 
You see, some of the choices we make in life, at the time, it doesn't look good. It looks hard. It looks uncomfortable. It looks difficult. It looks frustrating. It looks like, oh God, why are you denying me my pleasure or my this? No, if it comes from God, from His Word, Lord, if it comes from you, it is good. If it's good, it comes from you. Don't be deceived. You see, sometimes things come from the world and they look so, so good. But if it doesn't come from God, it's not good. If it's not God, it, good, it doesn't come from God. You see, because of his revelation of the goodness of the Father, only good things come from the Father. So when I read his word and I read some things that are hard, truths that I don't understand, truths that if I was God, I would do it differently. If I was God, I would allow this or this or this. Uh, no, no. If it comes from God, it is good. If it's good, it comes from God. Don't be deceived. Even if it looks good, but doesn't come from God, it's not going to turn out well. James had that revelation. Because I know the goodness of the Father, I can trust the ways of the Father. That revelation led him to such great wisdom as he led the church. So let me land with this. I'm longing, I'm praying, and I've been praying for this morning. Lord God, give us a revelation of your amazing goodness. Gives us that revelation. That revelation just like Jesus. Jesus said, only God is good. Compared to everything else you think is good, your father is good-er. Jesus reflected the knowledge that compared to everything else in the world, only God is good. He's the standard. Moses realized that God's goodness is his glory. To reflect his glory means to reflect his goodness. Moses literally reflected the glory of God. His face shone by reflecting God's goodness, his mercy and compassion. When you get a revelation of God's glory, you get a revelation of God's goodness. It changes the way you interact with people around you. Nehemiah discovered that God's goodness is to be enjoyed he wants us to rest in it. Nehemiah reflected this revelation by being a good man and a good leader because he lived in the goodness of God. Your desire is for goodness for your people. David found his confidence in knowing that God is good. David reflected this revelation through the confident assurance that goodness will follow me as I follow the Lord. And James learned to recognize that if it comes from God, it'll be good, even if it doesn't look good at first. And if it's not from God, it's not good, even if it does look good at first. James reflected this revelation by learning to make good decisions based on the goodness of God. I want to ask you this morning, have you had a revelation of the goodness of your Father? I'm praying this morning. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. you don't mind closing your eyes, if you feel comfortable to lift your hands, this is just a simple sign of yielding and surrendering to the presence of God. Lord God, this is not a, this is not a practical how-to kind of sermon. This is a revelation word. And Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and take your word and burn it into our hearts. Jesus, you said to Peter, this revelation does not come from any man but by my Father in heaven. Father, would you come and reveal your goodness to us this morning? 
You are the perfect heavenly Father. May we know you and your goodness is the standard of goodness in our life. May we know your goodness is your glory, that we would reflect that glory, the glory of your goodness in our lives. May we realize that your goodness is to be enjoyed. Your goodness is good. It is enjoyable. We want to revel in your great goodness. Lord, may your goodness become our confidence. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will wait patiently because I will see the goodness of our God. May we make wise decisions realizing that if you want good, make sure it comes from the Lord. And that everything that comes from the Lord is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just as you keep your eyes closed, one of the enemy's greatest strategies is to make you doubt his goodness. A situation happens, and you look what happens going on in the world, and God is sovereign, God is powerful, that means God's in control. How come that happened? God surely then doesn't love us, or God is surely not good. Don't fall for the enemy's strategy. We live in a broken world because of the choice, our free will. God is always good. The starting point, when you analyze a situation, when you lie in bed at night wondering about the future, the starting point is God is good. God is good. And so everything that comes from the Father is going to be good. As I follow you, goodness follows me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've had those kind of thoughts inside of you where you've doubted his goodness, you've doubted his presence with you, why don't you take captive those thoughts right now? Why don't you confess them, sinful thoughts? I don't want to be held captive ever again doubting the goodness of my heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Let this revelation be a hallmark of our lives. Let the revelation of the goodness of our God be our strength. Let the revelation of the goodness of our God be something we are confident in and we build our lives upon. Friends, if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that Jesus and the cross is the greatest demonstration of God's goodness the world could ever see. That's how good our God is. He so much wants you to experience His goodness, a relationship with Him, that He was willing to sacrifice His Son so that you could be reconciled. But you need to respond by opening your heart and receiving. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, confessed Him as your Savior and Lord, then the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I'm trusting that even now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you hear and your relationship with God is not right, Holy Spirit, would you bring conviction right now? Not condemnation, conviction. Holy Spirit, would you begin to put your finger on people's hearts right now? Would you begin to knock on the door of their heart to say, today is the day of salvation? And friends, if that's you, I don't have to convince you the Holy Spirit will. We would love to pray with you. We're going to be praying for some folk right now just in the corner. Everyone else is going to go for coffee. We're going to be praying for you. 
If you're here this morning trusting God for healing, we're going to lay hands on you and trust in the goodness of God to heal bodies. And so, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation power of your Holy Spirit. May we enjoy, may we revel in the goodness of God. Even on this Father's Day, as we're remembering our wonderful Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and honor and praise. And Father, even as we go, may we go knowing your gracious hand rests upon us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you.